0: Welcome to Kids Has Some Shit Podcast, a place where we'll be discussing all things in life according to me. I'm your host Ken. I definitely got some shit to say. The year is coming to an end at a snail's pace and we have several holidays just around the corner that could surely add extra inches to places we don't need them. But before you put up that Christmas tree or light those candles, we have to pull out those turkeys. No, I'm not talking about the holiday where you go home and get your life choices picked apart. family members who have been dating the same man for the last 25 years. Today's topic is Friendsgiving. But this wouldn't be a kid said some shit podcast without a little bit of his story. Prior to the pilgrims making their way to the new world, these vagabonds found themselves in the Netherlands at Plymouth Plantation where these nosy peeping toms watched the locals celebrate Oktoberfest. In the days of yore, it was called the Annual Autumn Thanksgiving Festival, a celebration which followed the relief of the Siege of Leiden in 1574. After receiving their eviction notice, they made their way to the New World and settled in a colony that they named Plymouth. In 1619, they weren't living their best lives and nearly perished due to syphilis, smallpox, malnourishment, exhaustion, and exposure. Let's not forget that the indigenous people living close to this colony had suffered the loss of over 6,000 members of their population between 1616 and 1620 after their first interaction with the Europeans. This, however, did not stop them from assisting in the survival of the colonists during their first winter, and in turn, the colonists celebrated their harvest with a feast. I mean, what's a more genuine, gracious way to say thank you for saving my life than with a seasonless meal of potatoes, turkey, and corn? The following harvest would be celebrated in sixteen twenty-three, and become a Puritan holiday in sixteen thirty-one. That was after the slaughter of the Pequot people by the colonists. See, apparently they got a text message saying that the colonists was killed by natives. So instead of being civil and getting to the root of it, they decided to go all the storm stormborn by burning down the village and slaughtering those innocent people who didn't perish in the fires. Governor William Bradford of Massachusetts declared Thanksgiving from then on in a very Joffrey Baratheon way. From then on, it would be the celebration of the bloody victory. The practice of holding an annual harvest festival in New England wouldn't start until the late 1660s. On November 26, 1789, President George Washington decided he should take a break from the stage play Hamilton and proclaim it to be the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration in America for it was a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer in 1827, a quote from the novel Northwood by author, Sarah Josepha Hale was believed to begun her 36 year campaign to make Thanksgiving a federal holiday. The woman who later in life would be called the Godmother of Thanksgiving was simply right. We have too few holidays. Thanksgiving, like the 4th of July, should be a national festival observed by all people. And in 1863, a proclamation by the President Abraham Lincoln was in response to Miss Hale, where he set apart the last Thursday of November as a day of Thanksgiving and praise. Now, in 2007, in the days of mashing names like Brennifer and Kimye, the mashup of Friends and Thanksgiving became the QC label, and officially was born. Friendsgiving is usually held on or near Thanksgiving, but was originally described as something much more informal than the traditional Thanksgiving meal. A loose definition of friend is a person you connect with due to shared affection. I describe a friend as the family I chose, and the older I get, the more I realize it wasn't the quantity of friends, but the quality of them. Some people look forward to Thanksgiving for a number of reasons. One in particular is the fact that life happens and you aren't always able to spend time with your friends so this is a great opportunity to catch up over food drinks and hopefully good music secondly they might not be able to go home due to work schedule or lack of funds so a dinner with their second family is always appreciated there's also the disheartening truth that many people are disconnected from their family for a plethora of reasons whether it be political religious or their sexual orientation, it is a sad reminder that you may not be able to choose the family you are born into, but you can choose the family you wanna be around. Let's be honest with ourselves by saying, the non-relatives have become more likely to take on family-like roles in our lives. Unfortunately, this year, due to the pandemic, many of us that aren't currently with friends and family may not be able to participate in celebration. Look, if you don't feel comfortable getting together with friends right now, or buying a basic economy ticket and sit in the last row of a full aircraft next to someone that has been asked 80 times to put their mask over their nose and their mouth, then you can host a friendsgiving over Zoom. That way, you can enjoy a nice meal together with, without actually being together. Play some games, share what you're all thankful for. You can also have a virtual cooking show where you'd have everyone hop on video call. And show each other how to prepare your favorite dishes. This is good for two reasons. For those that can cook, you know you'll enjoy a meal that will taste amazing. You also are helping a friend out. And for those who can't cook, it's a relief. Because this would be a great opportunity to make something other than that burnt, boiled water you cook your hot dogs in. This way, no one has to go without Thanksgiving and everyone can enjoy a socially distant night. For those of you who are a little braver, have tested negative, bought one of those little pew-pew temperature guns, plan on keeping the number of visitors under 10 and have never had a Friendsgiving or dinner party, this episode is for you. Now you might ask, what's the difference between a potluck and a Friendsgiving? Well, potlucks usually have no direction. It's typically a hodgepodge of things people decide to bring, think a table hosting a misfit food orgy. They all don't just go together. Friendsgiving, however, is typically themed in tradition and organization. When participating in a friendsgiving, the best way to communicate with potential participants is to build a chat thread like you build a bear, whether that be via email, Instagram, messenger, or text. In this chat, you'll discuss everything from what you plan to make as a host, time, location, what others have already volunteered to make, dishes you have requested people to make. For example, Katie volunteered to make her famous keto mashed cauliflower or you requested that Brittany make her amazing honey cornbread. This thread is also where all dietary needs and issues should be discussed. Does someone have a tree nut allergy? Is someone a vegetarian? This is a way to discuss and figure out suggestive replacements for certain dishes and to ensure we have food items available for everyone. Now I have a friend, a very good friend, who's very aware of her immediate friends and family's dietary issues. Like I don't eat pork or beef. There is someone else that doesn't eat pork. Her mom is a vegetarian and our other good friend only drinks top shelf vodka. When she plans dinners or even when she planned her wedding reception, she was meticulous in ensuring her menu was inclusive and covered all bases. Now I'm not saying you have to be as amazing as her but let's just start with who makes the turkey. The host. Why you ask? Well because transporting a fully cooked turkey all but guarantees a cold ass supper. So the bird and the gravy should be made at the host's place. This means the host is not required to make anything else except a good entry drink. Now it's not the time to try out that new recipe that you saw on YouTube or the Cooking Network. See, offering to supply food to a potluck or Friendsgiving should only include things you are confident in making. Leave the concoction at home for game night, or when you want to get back at your landlord by ruining his pipes with your explosive diarrhea. If you are requested to make a dish that you can't stand behind, like the superficial opinions of a guy whose teeth looks like a youth choir, then don't make it. I would have never thought in a million years that I would come face to face with macaroni and cheese that could pass off as egg custard with a shag rug toupee, or macaroni and cheese dressed like a piece of chicken parm topped with crusted croutons and walnuts, but I did. I shouldn't have to, and neither should you. I mean, I actually have a request for you. Look, keep the raisins for traditional dishes, and out of the damn potato salad. If you happen to have a California Raisin just hanging out at your home singing Christmas carols talking about Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and you want to put them to use there are a number of traditional dishes from Syria, India, Israel and Morocco that just to name a few that those dried grapes will work wonders in. See friends groups like America is usually a potluck of culture so choosing to expand the tradition of Thanksgiving by bringing traditional foods from your family's harvest celebration would be a great conversation starter. You can also hide those things in some dressing, just pair it with some pears and apples, you know, or put it in dessert, but keep it out of the potato salad. They look like roaches drowning in thick Elmer's paste screaming for help. Now for you whose hygiene is questionable, here's a quick list of no's to help you decide if you should cook for Thanksgiving friendsgiving or not. If you don't know that you should wash your chicken and that bleach can be used to sanitize the kitchen when you're done, don't cook. If you only season with salt and pepper but you usually don't use them, don't cook. If you have roommates that live with you of the crunchy variety whether it's two leg or multi leg, don't cook. If your pets think the kitchen is part of its playground and you think it's cute when they climb on the countertops to rise, or climb into your cabinets or your refrigerator or rubs its head on your cheese grater or you let your dog lick your plates clean before you stick it in the sink don't cook if you have a habit of tasting the food with a spoon and instead of washing it place it to the side so you can use it again to taste it later don't cook if you cook naked don't cook no one wants your blood sweat and tears and or scrotum in their food if you know someone who has a job in the food industry And are great at it, but keeps a nasty house. And they are adamant on contributing by cooking. And you just don't happen to be the host. You know, you could always invite them over early. Have them shake out their clothes at the door and take off their shoes before they come in. Or if all else fails, just have them bring ice. If you can't cook, there's so many options, so many like chips and salsa and dip and hummus and store book cookies or dessert. You can bring pasta salad, but not, not that mayo-based stuff because, you know, there's a possibility of bacteria growth and all and no one wants to get sick. I mean, you also can make a quick box of brownies. And if you want to get fancy with a little razzle-dazzle, drizzle some pre-made caramel sauce and sprinkle a little sea salt. You know, make it decadent. And then what would a friend's giving be without Liquor. I mean, personally, I bring the alcohol that I drink. I'm a gin girl, and I'm a lover of red wine, and that's what I bring. But if you can't afford a good bottle, bring a cheap liquor. That's usually the go-to anyway. But if you have a little extra splurge on one good bottle instead of multiple cheap ones, I mean, I don't believe in alcohol neglect, so I'll drink the cheap stuff. But if I had the option, I prefer a better choice. Now, once you commit to a dish, commit to it. You know, like you do that toxic relationship that your friends call your clown over. If you can be stealthy enough to have your friends and your neighbors drive you to your ex's house to stalk him in the middle of the night, then you should be stealthy enough to prepare your volunteer dish or at least give the host adequate time to ensure there is a substitute. Yes, we all know unpredictable things may occur. So we all understand that everyone might not have the time to make a dish at home. So you can purchase some fast food. That's fine, but if you say I'm bringing a meat, commit to that meat, commit to that protein source like you commit to that meat, even when it's small and sad and looks depressed and needs Zoloft. Now, if you are hosting a week prior, ensure everyone is bringing what they said they were bringing. And if people have never been to your home, this is a perfect time to mention house rules. Like this is a shoe free zone. Wear clean, cute, hole-free socks. Or mention that you have a basket of a hotel slippers near the door. Outside shoes are not welcome. Also mention rules about respect, like washing your hands before going into my fridge. And my house isn't the mosey-wosey. Keep it cute and classy. I'm only here for the trashy if you are paying bills. So guys, do not hook up with someone you meet at a friend's giving in your friend's house. That is just too much. Now a few days before, clean your house and your fridge to ensure there is enough space for items that may need to be chilled or kept refrigerated. With so many dishes, you need to make sure there's also enough counter space to fit them all, especially if certain dishes like gravy or mashed potatoes need to be kept warm. If more space is needed, look into temporarily storing appliances such as coffee makers and toasters in another room. I honestly don't understand the need for a rice cooker, coffee maker, and blender out when you aren't making rice, coffee, or a smoothie. Not only is it an eyesore, but it's also a waste of counter space. Now the day before, get any last minute supplies. That includes the alcohol garnish you need for, you know, those signature cocktails you plan on handing out when guests arrive. And include trash bags, just in case you need to toss out one of those ill-prepared dishes that would look better at the bottom of a garbage or one of your friends for bringing it. Make sure you have enough seating. This is a dinner party and not a standing party. Try to have enough seating to accommodate your guests and have extra seating on hand. While you may not on the regular have to seat a table of 10, having extra folding chairs makes it really easy to add additional place settings. If you are early, you are on time. If you're on time you are late if you are late don't even bother showing up says lombardi i don't like to wait on people and my friends could tell you that i operate on time or before my job requires me to be time sensitive so i operate my day-to-day the same way if you are given a time don't assume that the time is anything other than the time that you were given if your mo is to show up more than 15 minutes late do not commit to bringing any part of the dinner Because those warm dishes that people went out of their way to make sure were there on time are now cooling down because we are waiting on you. Unless it is set up as an open house type of event, be on time and arrive ready. Bring a warm dish and serving utensils. We definitely don't want too many cooks in the kitchen and oven space is limited. Bringing half raw or half cooked food that needs to be prepared at your host's house that wasn't previously discussed is a no-no and should be avoided at all costs. I mean, it's not hard to ask them, hey, do you mind if I drop this off early so you can heat it up and it can be ready for the guests when they arrive. Make sure your dish is as close to finished as possible before you head over to the host's home. And guess what? Slow cooker dishes are a great choice. I mean... A slow cook is about $10 at Target right now. So you have no excuse. If you don't have $10 to splurge on a Crock-Pot, then you have two options. For those of you who don't care about their carbon footprint, a one-use disposable vessel could certainly hold your with greens or quinoa salad. For those of us that are Planeteers and care about Captain Planet, a Pyrex glass or repurposed ceramic container will do. Just place a piece of tape with your name on it, like you do when you put your Chinese food or juggle orange juice in your mother's refrigerator, it's that simple. If your dish isn't being eaten and it's sitting on the table waiting to be chose like the last kid in a dodgeball game, there are a few passive aggressive ways that you can try to save face. First, you need to make sure that people understand that the dish is actually edible, so grab a helping of that green bean casserole or whatever that garbage you brought and choke it down in front of everyone. I mean, I even recall once someone making an excuse as to why the dish didn't turn out the way they planned on it, but she said the flavor profile is still there. Now if you have a friend with eating habits of the most basic two year old, but has a great sense of music, have them make a playlist. Remember, this is a dinner party and not a barbecue, so the music should transition from one portion of the night to the next, starting with the prep music. This is what I call Saturday morning chores music. It should get to host hyped enough to start day drinking while finishing off last minute decoration and curling habayang. Cocktails and orders should be popular music, allowing people to know where the party is. Now, in short, it's loud enough to hear, but low enough to talk over without sounding like the inside of a high school cafeteria. Dinner is R&B and soul music time. Basically, anything you wouldn't have a problem belting out over the table to your friend between swallows. After dinner, put on something to dance to. You want to work off some of those calories, right? Or something you can at least sit and rub your stomach to. And for a late night wind down, whether you have decided to turn the night into a slumber party or get your friends ready for the world, play some jazz. Let's take warm drinks like hotty toddy, mauled wine, spiked hot chocolate and Irish coffee. I want to leave you with this. See, this year has been full of losses and wins, full of heartaches and sorrow, full of self-discovery and self-deceptance. 2020 can be summed up in the words of the honorable Rob Bass, joy and pain, sunshine and rain. If this year has taught us anything, it's that we must be thankful for our health and those we get to spend our earthbound time with, our families and our friends. A great group of philosophers called Houdini said, friends, how many of us have them? Friends, ones we can depend on, friends, how many of us have them? Friends, before we go any further, let's be I want to thank you for listening in every Wednesday to Kids Had Some Shit Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Kids Had Some Shit questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a topic you'd like me to discuss on the upcoming podcast, leave it there. See you guys next week.